I love what Dallas Willard says. Grace is opposed to earning. Yes. But it's not opposed to effort. Oh, right. That's good. That's, there we go. I'm not Sorry. earning anything. Yeah. But to, to realize the, the full potential of God's grace in my life calls for me to ongoing surrender to that grace. But I think to a certain extent, so often though, we want to we wanna do away with all human effort. But the thing is, when human effort it's is easy, involved, right? it's yeah. But there's no there's no beauty in that. No. It's when it's when God no is fruit. allowing us to exactly. <laughs> and so when God allows us to come alongside and be a part of the process, that's when we experience the the fullness of the gospel, not just the shallowness of well, I prayed a prayer one day, that means I'm saved forever. That's not the gospel at all. All right, well, hey, everyone, we are back. Uh, Charitable Discourse this week. I'm excited about our topic, some of the things that we'll be unpacking today. This is podcast two with uh, Justin in the in the regular rotation. What's up, man? Uh, man, I'm, 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 I like the title, Charitable Discourse, because I think that's, that, that's the theme Keep it with charitable. the three of us here, <laughs> Charitable Discourse. Oh, our poor... Uh, office administrator we were talking about some things on the podcast and she probably thought we were all fighting with each other and yeah, it was a great was, conversation it, it was fantastic it was fantastic she did have a look so. you guys okay in there but we're passionate about this stuff we're excited about it i think that's a great word we are very passionate about what i think the thing i want to know before we start is did you get a warm shower this morning justin did your water work my water my water worked this why morning. would your water that's... not work justin? oh man Man, oh man, it's, it gets cold. It gets cold here in Ohio. I'm not used to that. Living in Texas, it was warm. And, and then, like, theoretically, most people close their garage doors at night, right? And when it's cold, things freeze. They, yes, this is true. This is true. But you know what? Even in the midst of my my pipes freezing, I was just glad that I was able to determine right where the I was the, impressed by the that. freeze was. was, and it may have taken five minutes with the hair blower standing over it to thaw it up. But hey, it worked. I it wish worked. you would have called me. <laughs> no, I come over. That's the last thing he would do. But I, that is true. That <laughs> is true. He would not be calling me. It for doesn't help. matter because we're still talking there about the podcast. There could be water anyways. pouring out into the road. And <laughs> I'm not calling Chip. <laughs> <laughs> not calling Chip and Bad. I just would want to. I just wanted a video of Justin standing That's by his he water call heater you. with a hair dryer. <laughs> so how's it been, man? How's how are the how's the first? Uh, how long have you been here? It's been eight months now. Eight months. Well, uh, yeah, pushing on eight months. What you? What are you excited about? How How are you doing? I, you know, it's one of those things for me to where there there have been plenty of le- learning curves on my end of what it means to be in full time ministry, um, working with people, ministering to people, um, just the ins and out of what it looks like on a weekly basis on how I how I navigate through the different roles that I have to put on, um, whether it's a youth role or a discipleship role with the adults. Um, and so it's, it's been an adventure. And I, as I look back, even on the last eight months, I can see how I've learned so much in the last eight months. Um, stuff that you don't learn in seminary is stuff that you can only learn uh, in the midst of doing ministry. So it's been, it's been real good. Yeah. Which we had a chuckle yesterday about um, some pastoral care stuff. That uh, Oh, yeah. 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 You just like until you experience Until you stuff, walk through it. Right. You... You, you don't know what to do, yeah, and you just have to learn on the fly and then yep. gain some experience. Yep. So that was good for me and my heart to, <laughs> to see another guy navigating new things. Um, Chip comes in, man, where have you been all day? Well, uh, 
I was seeing I was seeing someone, pastoral care, and it was just a matter of, yeah, it just took a little bit longer than I anticipated, and it, but it was good. It was really good. So, and you know what, Eugene Peterson will call that your proper work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the pastoral care yeah. piece and the, yep, caring stuff. So. W- yeah, yeah. If you're not connecting with people, that's what during it, the week. And I'm very task oriented mindset, okay. and that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that I cannot be task oriented in this role. People it has to be. There has to be freedom to be people oriented. So, yeah. 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 I think what we're going today um, kind of ties into what we're talking about with uh, how when you came on, how we wanted you to do your job, mm. uh, what our primary emphasis was is in discipleship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you embody that yourself. Um, you're great in this role already, and we're excited because I think, you know, Ben and I have been here for together for almost six years uh, our earnest desire is for this place to be a discipling church yeah and the the manner of discipleship carries with it this idea of transformation transformation right it comes through I mean even in the youth group right now our, our theme verse is coming from yeah. Romans 12 1 and 2 do not be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and That's what right. does that lead to yeah yeah proving what is the good and acceptable and Yes. Perfect will of God, yes. right? Yeah. And so you're right. Like, where we want to go as a church is we want to be a people that are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We believe yeah. that's the big idea, the goal, the heart of the mission of God in our life is to change us into Jesus' image. Because when the world sees Jesus, mm. he's the Savior. Yes. And so him being replicated in our lives, I know not perfectly, right? And sometimes at very immature stages, some more mature. But the whole goal is for us to become like Jesus because that's he's the hope of the world. Yes. And so I think that being said, that's kind of where we want to go today with the topic Mm -hmm. because this has been a debate for so many years mm-hmm. on how to understand the tension of what we want to talk about. Yeah. And we'll not figure it out today. We're just trying to move the ball down the field a little bit, make people wrestle with this mm-hmm. to understand that there is a tension between what is the old school, um, the tension of grace and, and works in our yeah, life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think maybe some of this conversation or actually the, the, the stirring of it came from, you know, we're doing a series right now, Sermon on the Mount. And there's some tall tasks, and you had challenged, uh, you know, people in church to, you know, or or maybe provided uh, supplemental materials. And Dallas Willard's uh, "Divine Conspiracy" is one of those. And mm-hmm. in chapter two, I think, is when he gets to into this topic that, um, you know, on on salvation and, and sin and what that looks like. And so, you know, you wrestle with, okay, is it, is it faith alone, or is this lordship salvation, or what does it look like to, um, you know, what does salvation look like in our life, and what does it look like to, to live that out here on this earth ahead of yeah. the glorification, yeah. you know? So just just uh, so that we are all on the same page, Chip, would you mind just even expounding um, and explaining what, when, you, when, when we hear the term lordship salvation, what is the common reference? What, is, what, is, what should we be understanding from that phrase? Well, I think the idea is that moving into relationship with Jesus is all-encompassing, mm-hmm. right? 
and that to live in relationship with Jesus because of the nature of who he is as Lord of the universe of, the, of, of all becomes Lord of our life, that then I, the posture position of my heart is to follow him completely because he's Lord and I'm, mm. I'm not, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's what we understand as lordship. I don't know that we love the terms mm. that are thrown around, lordship and faith alone, because I think what, and we'll probably, we're going to get to that point, is maybe it's creating two competing positions that shouldn't compete. Sure. But they have become like, but when we say lordship, it is the idea of following Jesus, teaching his life, the words of Scripture calling us to be set apart yeah. to uh, the Christian uh, understanding of how to live. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's clear or not. No, I, I, <clears throat> I, would, uh, I would then ask, so what, that sounds great. So, what, what, so what, where, is the, where is the tension? Where, I mean, isn't that how all Christians live? We follow Jesus. We get, well, and then we, so, you know, Scripture talks about the, uh, you know, the gift of grace and, the, and this, this gift of what Christ did for us on the cross. And so if you believe, mm-hmm. then you are saved. Okay, so that's great. Um, then what? Then what? So we'll keep reading. Is that where the tension then comes into play? So, I mean, I mean, for me, I feel like over the past 50 years, you know, uh, in, you know, speaking directly to the American church, because mm-hmm. this is the context in which we've been raised and have lived in and have been immersed in, you know, it, it just seems like the church kind of went from this uh, do, do, do to, hey, simply just trust in the Lord mm. and the rest of that doesn't matter and, um, you know, live life as you are. But it's almost fire insurance, I feel like, is, you know, as you move into the the seeker-sensitive uh, and, uh, you know, the, the larger church movements that have gone on, I feel like we've gone from a... Uh, we've lost all spiritual depth. Sure. It's an inch deep and a mile wide now yeah. in some of these you know, mega churches and even a lot of the, you know, the main voices of today. Yeah. Uh, you know, just believe in Christ. Doesn't that feel good? Raise your hand if, you know, if you committed. Well, that's that's great, but there's so much more, and I think we do the gospel, we do um, Christ a disservice when we simply just leave it there and just say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm saved because I just, I said a prayer and I put my yeah quote-unquote trust in God and my faith in Christ. Right, right. Is the nature of relationship with Jesus transforming? Right? That's a good Isn't that, that the question? That, that, yeah, that's the key question. When I come into relationship with Jesus, do things change? Yeah. And what we're wrestling with is sometimes the messages have been, uh, well, simply believing in um, what he's done and, and, and accepting him as Savior in your life has been the end point for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, we are not here saying that faith is the only way that we connect with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But what is biblical faith? What does it mean to come into relationship with Jesus? And that's what Jesus? I think has to be defined. What is that biblical faith? Yeah. What is it co- to come into relationship with Jesus, and does that, does that change my life? Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the things we were talking about beforehand, sometimes we <laughs> wish we could already be taping. Right, right. But... Um, my simple 
my simple analogy right now is historically we've always believed that when you're saved, three things are happening, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to get a little theological here with some terms, but I think it's important for everybody to think about this, that when we're saved, we're justified, right? That because of the atonement, mm-hmm. the work of Christ, he has um, effectively... Uh, pushed off the wrath of God because of His innocent Savior of the world dying for the sins of the world. Like, in a legal sense, as I accept the salvation He offers me, God looks at what Jesus did, and He looks at me and and proclaims that I'm innocent. I'm justified. It's kind of transactional in nature. And anyone proclaiming gospel will, will attest to that. Yeah, they affirm, better. Like affirm that's justification. That's, that's but that's that. I mean, even even the the larger churches or even the different the different movements that we've seen. Heck yeah, absolutely justification. And it's necessary to be reconciled to God absolutely. to come to peace with God demands that there's forgiveness. There is a there is something that's been done to appease God's wrath toward mankind mm-hmm. for their sin and. Um, uh, that's absolutely... Uh, the second thing I, I'll say is we're adopted into the family of God, mm-hmm. right? We become a yep. part of of the kingdom when we're saved. That third word is what we call regenerate, regeneration, and simply it is the idea that in the moment of our salvation, not only transactionally are we right with God and we now are in relationship with God because our sins have been canceled, right? Blotted out, as the Scriptures would say, but now the Spirit of Christ comes into our life. That's now... There, Ephesians says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive mm. in Jesus Christ. That, and that's why, as we, we tell our kids from early on, invite Jesus into your life. Mm. The heart of what it is to be a Christian is having the living God in our heart. So what makes us different than any other religion is the Holy Spirit. And so when, when we are saved, we now have Christ's Spirit living in us. Yeah. Like the Scriptures will say that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. Well, if He's living in us, I assume, I imagine, I've experienced, that my life takes on a whole different perspective. Sure, It has to. You're right. The resurrected Lord is in my heart. Surely that's going to change my life. The way that you view your life, the way that you operate within your life, I mean, everything everything then is changed because of the Holy Spirit then entering into your life. God is in the business of transforming you. And we're told that uh, uh, he, he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son as, That's as his big believer. Idea, right? right? Absolutely. And to be conformed to the image of Jesus is quite literally God's best version of us. No and it, doubt. That's and it great. completely changes uh, the trajectory, I think, is a good way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, we were headed this yep. way, yep. and all of a sudden the, the, the grace of God and the blood of Christ completely changed the tra- trajectory. So now the Spirit of Christ in me which is a free gift mm-hmm. that costs me my life. Yeah. Count the cost. Right. Right. And so now, you know, this this should be something that is that is that is that is weighed out, that is thought about. It's mm. not this flippant kind of thing that we 
are moved to do in one moment and then the next moment it's it's past but it's okay what does this mean now for me yeah. what are the implications yeah. of yeah. this what does it look like now now that i am adopted into the kingdom what does this look like now for the rest of my life the trajectory of my life and wouldn't you say though that this is where the true tension between um, faith alone and lordship salvation versus, um, uh, versus no change. Because I think when we have discussed this idea that yet there is grace, there is grace upon grace upon grace, and it's because of God's grace that if we believe in God's grace, it is efficient and sufficient in order for mm-hmm. us to be saved. Um, but some would say, hey, as long as you acknowledge that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, then you are a Christian. And and they may say, hey, no other things are required. Now, I think we would agree no other things are required on our end of things, but you guys are saying something different, though, that because, Ben, you say the trajectory is now different than where we were going, that automatically assumes then that what we're doing is different, how we're living our life is different. So how does that come into play? I mean, the, a life of Christ leads naturally to fruitfulness. Hmm. It's the evidence of your faith. I mean, he who does the will of my Father enters into the kingdom. Yeah. And so what does that look like now? And and it means pursuing him for sure, mm-hmm. bringing him in as part of your life, walking with him daily. Yeah, when Jesus called people to follow him, the, the definition of being a disciple, if any man will come after me, mm-hmm. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, right? Denying of yourself and taking up a cross, which cross is always a symbol of death, Mm -hmm. right? I'm always a little bit concerned we talk about bearing crosses. Like, that wasn't the the Roman understanding. That wasn't the idea of a cross. Cross meant that you were going to die. It's not something you walked around with your whole life bearing. You died. Christ is saying, hey, if you're going to follow me, you're going to end up denying something in yourself, yeah. and you're going to die to something in yourself. What is that? It's the selfish, sinful tendencies of my life. And when I repent, initial repentance to come to, to God in saving faith, like I see, wow, I'm lost, I'm broken, I am without hope, I want to turn from this life that's destroying me, I want to turn to Jesus as my Savior, for all of the reasons where I find forgiveness, I find eternal hope, I find new life. But that 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 life of turning to Jesus is not just an initial thing, it's an ongoing lifestyle of always pursuing him and surrendering to whatever it is he's leading me into, which was obviously his word. And that's what we're saying that the nature of biblical faith is yes there is mental consent and confession but then there is the practical side that what i am what i am giving myself to is now a lifestyle of passionately pursuing jesus hmm. and in pursuing jesus my relationship with sin is drastically changed yeah. but okay so i want just to just like last time i want to play devil's advocate Stir the for, pot, for, for for a hot second i mean if we look at if we look at Scripture and it says, "Hey, to be saved, what must you do?" I mean, all throughout Scripture, we're seeing, "Hey, uh, repent and believe," or "repent and be baptized." And this idea of like, "Hey," or in Romans, Paul says, "And in order to be saved, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth." And so, but you're saying that it's requiring beyond that. So how do how do we reconcile what 
when Paul says, hey, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus, and, but where do you go from there? How do you, you're, but how do we reconcile what you're saying is that it requires a lifestyle of growing and pursuing after Jesus when it seems that, no, it, it's really just me acknowledging. Okay, so like, so like the reference is to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Again, understanding what it is to repent is okay. to have a complete change of heart and mind to the lifestyle that I had before I'm forsaking. Okay. So the lifestyle before Jesus yeah. was completely sin-filled and selfish. Okay. So I am turning from that. So repenting is, and they would have understand that then, right? Like, I am changing my whole paradigm, my mindset. My life is going to drastically change when I turn to Jesus. Okay. So then the Romans passage, like confess in your mouth. But what is it that, that it said that Jesus is what? Jesus is Lord. Lord. There we go. There we go. So when I come to Lord, that yeah. means I'm following everything he's about because he's Lord. He's Lord. And that's what we're saying. Like oh. Now, again, we've talked about this a lot, and I think practically it is the tension that everybody lives in. It can be easy to begin to see, well, God is calling me to a lifestyle mm-hmm. of obedience. Mm-hmm. And it can be so easy to begin to then think that our relationship with Jesus is then um, is grounded on or conditioned on our obedience. Right, right. And so then it becomes easy to slip into a works-based relationship. Yes. I'm yes. still in relationship with Jesus now because now I know the things to do and I do them. Yeah. And we're trying to say, hey, listen, those are important. Those are evidences of a biblical faith. But your salvation is always grounded in the grace of God every yeah. day. Yeah. Every day. You get up and yeah, my life looks drastically different than it did 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like, my obedience level is so much higher because that's the natural outflow of biblical faith. Right, right. But I also understand today, just because I live differently than I did 20 years ago, mm-hmm. that's not what saves me. Right. I'm I, still saved today for the same reason I'm saved when I came to faith yes, in Christ. Yes, It's grace alone. And actually, you begin to realize, I did, because I morphed into this in the first three or four years after I was saved. Because yep. of my environment, my teaching, my background, I jumped into works-based kind of relationship with God. Yes. And I realized, wow, I'm failing again big time because I have lost sight of what God's grace wants to do. Right. It actually is the energizing factor of my life. Yes. Like, And if I get up and think I'm going to do these things for God... I couldn't do them because I was doing it in my own efforts. And I think that I think that's the biggest thing that I want to make sure that we are getting across. That when we say that we need to make sure that Jesus is our Lord, it's not necessarily us having this human mindset of like I need to do X Y Z today in order to show that Christ is my Lord. It's because Christ is my Lord that I'm doing X Y Z. Absolutely. I mean, if, it's if, ultimate submission, right? Exactly. It's... And so we talk about fruit. Ben, you mentioned fruit. A tree does not will on its own for fruit to come and be to to be produced from it. It's 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 from an outside source. It's, it's, it's the, the sun. Nutrients. It's receiving the nutrients the from below. Absolutely. And yep. so for us yep. as Christians today, it's not that I am willing for this good fruit to come out of my life. That we're checking off the list. It's that I am because I have placed my faith in Jesus. It by na- by nature, 
automatically necessitates for fruit to then grow out of me. Not because I willed it, but because Christ willed it in me. If Christ is in you, man, he's going to produce. If you're going to allow him in your life yes. and be the center of your life, yes. the natural outflow is the good works. But it's not that fruit. The fruit does not save me. It's because I am saved that the fruit then grows out of me. Absolutely. You're still saved by resting and trusting in him. Yes. And I would say that the fruit of your life is not even your doing. Absolutely not. It's just not. your right. surrender to his spirit now exactly. working in you. Exactly. It's always faith as the condition for every interaction yes. with God. Yes. But what we are saying is that maybe the messages that have been put out there, that um, what it means to come to Christ and be in relationship with Christ mm -hmm. has been inferior to what the scriptures have always positioned yeah. of yeah. what a disciple of Christ looks and like. And that's and a fair statement. And even using, the, I mean, the red letters of Christ and the Sermon on the Mount, even mm -hmm. in Luke and in Matthew. I mean, you know, you can read this in two ways, right? You can read this saying, I could never live up to this. Mm -hmm. And you're right. But the Spirit of God in you mm. can. There we go. And while there are firm, firm words, right? I mean, and behaviors. Luke, yeah. yeah, I mean Luke six talking about you know why'd you call me Lord, Lord, and and not do what I say? Depart yeah. from me. Yeah. Or or even in Matthew five, for I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those are strong words. Those are big words. That scared and these the, are the, the red death letters, out of me. Okay, but but it's. When you realize that it's 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 not works that you have to do on your own, but it's yes. in the submission and in that living within the kingdom of Christ, yeah, that it's just it becomes this outflow and this this yearning and desire, and now all of a sudden, His will for you becomes your will and desire mm -hmm. and passion mm -hmm. that that we live out of this stuff. And I and and I think that. And in so many respects, is the is some of the most beautiful things. Is the most beautiful thing one of the most beautiful things about the gospel? Uh, so often we think, hey, Jesus made a way for us to one day, one day experience heaven. But I think in many aspects, Jesus is giving us a way to experience heaven, the kingdom of heaven now, because He is transforming us yeah. to the way that we operate and live and react and respond to the world around us, and that even how we produce. From our life. It is, it is, we are walking in the kingdom of heaven now. It's like you said earlier, the best version of what you could ever be can happen. Yes, ab absolutely. And you know, like I've been thinking about this because we're walking through the sermon, I'm not teaching it. it, because there can be a sense where, oh, did Jesus create a whole new religious list when he starts to break down? Well, you said, uh, you know, you've heard of old don't right. murder, but I tell you don't even hate. So all of a sudden, do I need a new checklist? Well, what he does is cre he creates such a lifestyle that if you really look at it, you can only say, there is no way I could follow that checklist. No. But that's why he did it on purpose, because he always wants us to be driven to one thing alone, complete it, it, dependence yeah. on the grace of God. It turns into a qualitative checklist. Right. There's not, it's, it's not all of a sudden these, these itemized things, but it's, it's, it's sensing the... the you know, it's the nature of the heart. And even though I want to make sure, so even so often, even as pastors, we, we aren't coming in always with this right, we're not always the most joyful beings to be around like, oh, the, the Lord is, and I think one of the things that we have to understand is it's not always about even 
I feel it in my heart that I need, but it's more of I need to pursue Jesus so that I do feel it in my heart. I pursue Jesus because I know it's only from him that I can experience what he has for me. I, I can't even will the feelings for myself no. to feel like I've made it, but I need to seek Jesus. And in the midst of seeking Jesus, that's where I have found it. So I think one of the favorite places for me to land in this whole conversation is John 15. When Jesus says, I am the, bra- the vine, yes. you are the branches. Yes. So Jesus says some very clear things. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Man. Right? Good like this is the whole, yeah. you're going to obey, right? But it's always in the context of your obedience only happens because like, I'm the vine. Yeah. yeah. I am your source. That yeah. source, right? I without me, John 15, 5, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Some things? No. Nothing. Nothing. You must Not abide. I. You wither. You die. If you abide in him, yeah. you will, you'll love and follow. It's that tension. I, I just think for me, personally, John 15 became the place to land on this and to, as I try to wrestle, we're all wrestling with this tension. Because I found places where it's been easy for me to to maybe think that I'm okay because of some yeah. some changes in my lifestyle, right, some obedience right. things. No, 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 yeah. no, no. And on the flip side of that, though, I want to make sure, like now that we're a half hour in, into talking, that the tension that we're talking about here is on one side we have the easy believism mm-hmm. to where, hey, one day you prayed a prayer and you were good to go and you yeah. nothing else is needed. But then on the other side of the thing, on the other side of the spectrum is, no, you must look and you must live out and you must do X, Y, Z. And that's how what proves to be a Christian. But we're saying, no, it's they're not It's not mutually exclusive where, this, where uh, nothing else is required. Because obviously, John 15 says, you must abide in him. And when you abide in him, that's when fruit grows. And fruit is necessary. It's a necessary sign. I think in many ways, the, it, our works do not justify us. Our works do not say, hey, you're saved, but it's our works that justify that we have faith. It's, it's our overflow. works it's the that prove. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what Jesus has done in our life the, that lead to the works, that prove to us, that prove to the world around us that is a saved man because... And this, this was a free relational gift by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think of gifts. This isn't some like Christmas gift that you get and you get it one year and then it's... This is a gift the way that I would view um, my wife as a gift from the Lord or mm. my children as a gift. One that, wow, you have... You're you trying have, to earn some brownie points here? That's ben? right. Yeah. That's right. You have, you have, Lord, you have given this to me. You have brought this into my life. Now, what does it mean to foster it, to cherish it, yeah. to... Experience what it's supposed to be. Yeah, to the fullness. Yes. Right, right, right. And it's because of that gift. It's because of the gift of your wife and your children. Then your life is changed in the way that you live and you operate. It's not you, you <laughs> yeah, didn't. That's right. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't automatically just get this gift because you changed your life. It's because your life has been changed that you then live in a particular way. Yeah. And that requires work, work, and intentionality. I love what At Dallas fifteen Will- that requires work. <laughs> I love what Dallas Willard says. Grace is opposed to earning. Yes. But it's not opposed to effort. Oh, right. That's good. That's, there we go. I'm not earning anything. Yeah. But to, to realize the, the full potential of God's grace in my life calls for me to ongoing surrender to that grace. But I think to a certain that's extent, good. so often, though, we want to we do away with all human effort. But the thing is, when human effort is involved— Because it's easy, involved, right? It's, yeah. But there's no, <laughs> there's no beauty in that. 
It's when it's when God no is fruit. allowing us to exactly. <laughs> and so when God allows us to come alongside and be a part of the process, that's when we experience the the fullness of the gospel and not just the shallowness of, well, I prayed a prayer one day, that means I'm saved forever. That's not the gospel at all. The gospel is that you are experiencing transformation and a renewing of your mind that you are taking part in and you can experience the joy that is that. Isn't it just crazy to think that the triune God who lives in this relationship with himself, Mm -hmm. who now invites us to relationship with him, would create that relationship for us to just kind of then not really connect or live in intimacy or allow the thing that destroys intimacy with God, sin, to continue to exist in its full capacity or unchecked, unbridled. Like, that's absurd. In his relationship with himself, there's intimacy, there's no sin. He's wanting to call us into intimacy with him. So the thing that has to change is my relationship with sin i.e. Romans 6, i.e. 1 John 3. Um, We're not talking like perfection because glorification, when we see Jesus, we will be like him. But as Paul said, listen, having the resurrected Lord in your life will drastically change your relationship to sin, which then creates intimacy with... Because a key, I mean, the the key attribute of the Lord is, is His holiness. Yes, and that's what he is calling us to, because the fact of the matter is, if we aren't producing fruit that's growing into him, that means we're looking like the rest of the world around us. But the entire, And if we're looking like the rest of the world around us, how in the world is the image of God being displayed to the world? It's not. But he's calling us to be separate from the world, not because we are overly pious or we're better or holier art thou this attitude, but it's because it's when we're separated from the world that others see in us the image of God being displayed. And that's how he uses, that's part of what he does to draw others to himself. So can I throw in a Wesley quote? I'm two for two. <laughs> it wouldn't this be a season. podcast if it didn't. So Wesley said, as he came down to the end of his life, so honestly, this man seemed to live in unbelievable intimacy with God. But he said, a moment without grace and a devil I become. Mm. Like That's so true. He knew the minute the grace of God, mm. yeah. it wasn't his works, all yeah. the works that he did, he knew that without God's grace, within a moment he could turn quickly to, he said, a devil, right? Okay, so let's, so let's maybe give some... Uh, practical implications mm. to this. You know, someone's listening right now and living in the... If they've uh, made it this far with us. <laughs> if they've made it this far and like, okay, so now what must I do? What does that look like? Yeah. Practically, daily living, um, not necessarily the abstract, but just practical, tangible steps of spiritual disciplines or, or any of those things. What yeah. does that look like? Well, I mean, I think to a certain extent, uh, Chip, you, 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 it's, it's nailed to the head right there with John 15. When we see, I mean, it's abiding Abide. in Christ. Now, this isn't, and that might sound vague and ambiguous, but that's that's really, that's that's black and white right there. Are you spending time in the Word? Are you yeah. praying? Are you spending time with community of, with the community yeah. of believers? This is why, this is why the gathering is so incredibly important because, Ben, you have the Holy Absolutely. Spirit working in you. Chip, you have the Holy Spirit working in you. And I need all the facets of that working in me. And so that we together are growing with one another. It's the idea of the you know the old campfire analogy, and you take one log out, and immediately it just kind of 
starts to mm-hmm. lose its flame. You put yeah. it right back in and it, it reignites. Yeah. But And so when we get back together with community, when we are in the word together, when we are praying together, all of a sudden it is burning a fire, not because we're willing, not because we're checking off a list of things to do, but that Christ is transforming us and we automatically then do the works of Christ. Good thing you have a job that shares that passion. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you're a community <laughs> pastor a day, a discipleship. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh. I think for me, is, is uh, I totally think that's exactly what is foundational. But also um, being willing to understand that the quality of the life God has for you calls you to be willing to, to put effort into that relationship, mm. not earn but effort. Yeah. Back to the marriage analogy. Nicole and I love one another. The quality of our relationship is it is in good measure on are we putting effort in to make sure we communicate with one another? Am I being affectionate? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, like looking out? Am I sharing response? All that in marriage. Effort creates quality. Yeah. There's love there. Right. Whether my effort is is minimal at times or maximum, right? Yeah. But when the efforts there, the quality of the relationship just flourishes. Yeah. And I think we need to understand that it's it's in similar capacity, not completely, right? But it is a good earthly image for us to understand that yeah. our relationship with God is calling us to put effort into mm. fostering that intimacy. And, and to that point, you know, and taking thoughts captive, I mean, to me, it's it's living with Christ on your mind. You mm. know, am I am I daily? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there are the the disciplines, but am I thinking about Him regularly? Mm. Am I am I including Him? Am I the 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 praying continually idea mm-hmm. of is He a part of my day? Am I am I am I walking in a way in a manner of of thinking how He might respond or what he might require of me in these moments yeah. mm-hmm. that that truly lead to that lifestyle. Yeah. And even that is a process of that takes intentionality. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you, it, it, you grow more and more in thinking about Christ daily and moment by moment. As you as you grow in your relationship, that becomes easier and easier. It and does. Only because because he is growing with inside you. He is transforming you. Not again, not not that you have to set a reminder on your phone for every five minutes. Now that could be a good practice to get into the habit of thinking about him, but that's just going to be a process in which he is growing in you to think about him more and more and more. Like you said, Justin, you quoted Romans eight twenty nine, that God has predetermined that what he wants to do with his is make us like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's his purpose and will. So we should be attracted to that. But on the flip side, I would encourage people to understand that the abundant life, the quality of life comes when we are allowing this to happen in our life. Yeah. Because as we're molded into his image, things like fear, anxiety, um, identity crises, all those things, they begin to dim when we are living in intimacy with Christ. And the quality of our life is just off the charts. 